2: Welcome to an all new episode of so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. How the heck are you? It is Tuesday. Uh, if you, if you heard my Monday podcast, hi, hello, we're 40% into the, the week. Now we've got this thing in the bag. There's no way we're not getting through this week. I think that's just what we've decided. Um, that of course was Tame Impala mixed up with Justin Timberlake. Now I know it's it's very interesting. Justin Timberlake is a very uh he's very controversial. You never thought Justin Timberlake would be controversial. He's the Jimmy Fallon of music in a lot of ways. Um but since he did the stuff with Britney and Janet Jackson, but I got to say that's still a smooth song, you know. And so I feel like that's okay. And with Tame Impala when you mix Tame Impala and Tame Impala's music to me is like a a warm psychedelic hug. Uh it's it's um it's just like a blanket, and especially on a rainy day like it is in LA. Yeah, that's right. It's it's raining in LA, and I'm going to keep bragging about it all day long because we don't get rain as much as other states do. So it's so nice. Um, I uh, if you guys listened to yesterday, I was upset because I did not do my voice homework. Homework, but I woke up super early. I'm going on about four hours of sleep right now, and I did it. The class went good. It went. It went good. Yeah, it went good. It was. It was actually really good. I got to work on my ings. My, you know, having have i i will anyways uh it's very fun uh it was actually fun to do the class. I was happy to get it over with it is so funny these things that we build up in our minds they could be the littlest things ever, but we will uh treat them so seriously and then afterwards you're like. <laughs> I could have done that standing on my head. <laughs> what was I even worried about for? And it's that's the majority of my life, folks. Uh, how are you guys doing? Are you good? Is everything good in your lives? I hope it is. Um, are we in November? Where are we? No, we didn't even we didn't even finish. Halloween hasn't even happened. We still got, I feel like Halloween happened three weeks ago. Oh, you know what's so funny? Uh, this is kind of one of the, the good things about COVID last year is that, And I'm trying to know the year. like, is that you didn't have the influencer Halloween parties like you used to, like you would start going like October 1st, you would start seeing the influencer Halloween parties pop up and there would be like 80 different costumes from your influencer people that you would follow on Instagram. And you're just like, damn, why do they keep going to parties? Uh, And you didn't have that last year. I mean, you didn't really have much of anything. So it'll be interesting to see how, I mean, I am seeing a lot of parties pop up, but you know, that's the other thing. I was talking about, um, the holidays coming up yesterday and one of the coolest things I said, I wanted to be in the holiday spirit two years ago when this podcast started and people sent me ornaments. So I have this little baby tiny tree, um, uh, and, and I put it up in my room and I decorate. Um, uh, and, and I'm really excited to do that again. And I got to make sure I not I don't do it a week before Christmas. Like, is it too soon to put up Christmas decorations next week? Come on, help me out. Ladies, guys, what, are you, what what what's the appropriate thing? Because I was like, maybe I just do it, get it out of the way. But there is something magical looking at that tiny Christmas tree with the little little lights and then the um, thirty different kinds of Bravo ornaments, just like I had when I was a kid. Um, but if anybody has any suggestions for ornaments, or or uh, please let me know. Uh, there is plenty of room on the tree, um, I, but I want to try to be in the holiday spirit again, just like I wish I had. I had thought more about Halloween. I should have, I should have like, is anybody else like that out there? Like me, where, where I wanted, like, you want to be in the Halloween spirit. You want to like, I I was talking to my friend who's like, she had like four different costumes and I'm just like, wow, I didn't even think of one. The only one I was like thinking of was like the slutty Tom Girardi, you know, they have like a slutty nurse costume, slutty firefighter. I was like going to be a slutty Tom Girardi, but I just, I didn't win at auction the suit. So it makes it really hard to do slutty Tom Girardi because I was going to actually wear his real suit. Um. (laughs) Yeah, man, I don't know how I got here. Who knows? I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. You guys, it's all good. Um, Let's see a couple of news stories before. Oh, God, our guest today, Dave Quinn. Uh, you might have seen him on Watch What Happens Live as the bartender last night. He uh, has been on, uh, he was on Danny's podcast, Kate's. Um, I mean, he he made the rounds, but I got to talk to him after the premiere party uh, last Thursday. And so we got a, a couple pieces of information that you might not have heard yet. And also, he's just a dang nice dude. Like, uh, I was talking yesterday about, like, having this week kind of was, like, the theme was like people that inspire me or like heroes of mine. And Dave was one of those people when I, I, I've been on Twitter for like 10 years, but I would always see Dave Quinn tweet. And I would always be like, one day, if, if I work with that dude one day, or if I get to talk to that dude one day, or if he know if I'm on his radar, like I'm doing something right. And I got to, that dream got to come true this year. Uh, not only has he written the book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, the officially Bravo sanctioned book. Uh, Which, by the way, people say, like, Bravo sanctioned, ooh, that that must mean they didn't let, like, the dirt fly—a lot of dirt flew. I mean, it is funny. People will bitch about anything. I love—I love read—I don't love, but it's, like, frustrating to read the discourse on Twitter about this book or about anything Bravo-related. Because everything is a conspiracy. Everything's this or that or that, you know. But this book is— i mean i'm I'm waiting to get mine, but everything I've read about it seems like it is so up all of our alleys and Just Dave has been in this game for so long. He also started Club Bravo on Clubhouse, which is a forum where any of you guys can go to these amazing rooms and participate in discussions about all of these shows that we love so much. So we're going to have Dave Quinn on. He's like a 40-minute interview. And then we're going to take a quick break for commercials. And then we're going to come back. We're going to do a Vanderpump Rules recap, baby. Hey, <laughs> hey it's me, Brock. I'm Brock, and I speak like an Irishman uh somebody from australia actually i'm going to play her dm she was giving me a couple of tips on how to do an australian accent i don't think it's going to help me at all but i'll i'll try and and we'll see if you guys agree with her notes I mean, she's australian so i guess it's not about agreeing it's like yes you're from australia you do sound australian congratulations uh wanted a couple of quick news stories this breaks my heart folks if if they <laughs> Man, if these guys can't make it, nobody can. It has been revealed today that Katie Thurston and Blake Moynes broke up. You guys, and that just makes me so sad. Now, a lot of you are like, "Who? Who are they?" That's a very smart, smart question. Um, Kate was Katie was this past season's Bachelor uh was this past uh season's bachelorette I'm sorry and Blake was the guy that kind of was like at the end of like yeah I guess I'll give this a shot I guess let's get engaged and um it- it's one of the dumber <laughs> it's uh, so Katie Thurston announced this on Instagram as you do I'm hoping to get into a relationship just so I can announce the breakup on IG she goes, it is with mutual love and respect that we have decided to go our separate ways. We are so grateful for the moments we shared together and the entire journey that has unfolded this year. But we ultimately have concluded that we are not compatible as life partners, and it is the most caring choice for both of us to move forward independently. We ask for kindness and privacy as we both navigate the transition. I love that, she, I love that these people act like there's just news people like camped outside. Probably a couple, like, you know, but it's like people like Bronwyn saying like, you know, paparazzi were after in the OC. Um, we ask for kindness and privacy as we both navigate the transition. Both of us will forever want the best for one another and ask you to please support us in our decision. You guys, I mean. I just don't know how I am gonna get. <laughs> They said they loved each other. They gave each other. No, it's so dumb. These things, and it's starting to piss me off. You go on The Bachelor, you're always like, I'm here for the right reasons. What's the right reason? It's a breakup two months later? These people lasted two months. I've slept longer than two months. I mean, I, I come on. They should make, they should sign damn this into law. The government needs to get involved and say, you have to be with each other for five years if you propose on that show. And if you don't, you'll go to jail. That's the deal. You have five years of your life, buddy, because I'm tired of this. I'm tired of investing in these stupid ass couples that we all know it's not going to work. And then they like, then it like makes like, so then women think that, that, that there has to be these grand, huge dates. And all of a sudden I'm having to hire the band train to sing at a date. Like ladies and gentlemen, train. And they're in the middle of the woods and a picnic date. Like, come on. This is, it makes me livid. You guy couldn't even make it two months. Couldn't even make it two months. And and I had a, Oh, how beautiful. Oh, they really love each other. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Somebody that makes it in this franchise as a couple is the exception, not the rule. In fact, if you, if you, if I ever had a daughter and she said, I met a guy from the bachelor, I'd be like, you get out of this house right now. You get out of this house and you're disowned. That's assuming I have anything that I would leave to anybody. And I'd be like, you do not come back until you stay away completely from everybody in the Bachelor franchise. Bachelor Nation is bad. All they do is sleep. I mean, Bachelor Nation, I just imagine just are passing venereal diseases from one another to one another, like it's all they're doing is just going to festivals, Nashville, San Diego, anything with any kind of dance beat under it. They're at like a syncopated rhythm. They're there, just going like yeah, with their tongue stuck out and doing that stupid winky thing where the girls do that and the tongue out and pictures. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And by the way, who started that? Was that an emoji? Because sometimes just like hey, open both your eyes, put the tongue back in. Like I, it's in every photo. I'm still grumpy, you guys. <laughs> I'm still grumpy. Um, okay, so that obviously is is what it is. You know, it's what it is. Um, oh, Also, Real Housewives of Atlanta, they have started filming. They made the announcement. She by Sheree is back. Sheree Whitfield, you guys. That is huge. That is really genuinely huge news. Um, so here is the cast this season. Let's see if you guys... Uh, dig this. So with production on season 14, the Real Housewives of Atlanta officially can reveal the cast list as of Monday morning, the deals have all closed. Candy Burris, Kenya Moore, and Drew Sedora are returning. Once in future, Real Housewives of Atlanta cast member Sheree Whitfield is coming back. And you guys, this is huge. Marlo Hampton finally gets her peach. She is a longtime friend of on the show, but finally gets her peach. Additionally, track star Sonia Richard Ross, a four-time Olympic gold medalist that's already too qualified for this show, has joined the group full-time. Richard Ross may be new to Real Housewives of Atlanta, but she isn't a stranger to reality TV. You might have seen her on cops. No, you might have seen her on Sonya's Glam and Gold. Guess what? Haven't. Don't even know that's a show. That's a made-up show. That doesn't exist. Sonya's Glam and Glo- Glam and Gold about her family and marriage to former NFL cornerback aaron ross ran for one season on Wii tv in 2013 so we're all of course familiar with that show also that's great though a former nfl guy those are always great on these shows former nfl people uh so that is incredible we we love to see that uh so congratulations i'm very excited to have she by sheree back i loved sheree I like, who oh, go and check me, boo. Like, oh, Sharae's vocal quality, she would go, huh? Ugh. She would go high and low. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, she had one of the coolest voices in reality television. Um, that is it for today. We're going to get right into Dave and then right into Vanderpump Rules. But let me just read you an excerpt from this book that Dave wrote where he just took all of these interviews with all of these amazing ladies we love but I'm telling you they did not shy away he did, he was not given instructions to be nice to Andy. So this is a, a blurb from the book Candace Bassett. She write she she is she says I even reached out to Andy's assistant and asked for him to call me. Nothing. That's fucked up. I know he has well over a hundred housewives all texting and calling him all the time, but how many of them were physically attacked on camera by their co-star? The fact that he couldn't even schedule 10 minutes to reach out to me? You don't give a fuck? You are making money off of our backs and feeding your son with it, and you just don't give a fuck about us, and you can't tell me that you do? And when I saw him, I did say it to his face. You guys. Whether we agree with that statement or not is besides the point. The point is that made it into the book. That's how juicy this book is. And I feel good reading something this juicy because Dave Quinn at heart is a Really brilliant, nice dude. So uh, here he is, just one of my uh, heroes in this whole Bravo universe. Such a nice guy. This is a really nice, fun interview. And remember, if you want to skip to this interview or write to the Vanderpump Rules and kind of break it up, uh, remember, there will be timestamps on this. So uh, here he is, the man of the hour, Dave Quinn here he is. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest, I am so excited for. I've wanted to talk to him. He knows I wanted to talk to him for over since I started this podcast. I used to read his articles on people and his Twitter. And I used to say, if I could talk to this guy one day, I will have made it in the Bravo world. And today is the day that I feel like I have made it. Not only has he somebody I've wanted to talk to for so long, but he is the author of what I am happy to say is a best-selling book. Uh, there are so many other things about him that is fascinating, but today we are going to talk about the book that is number two right now on Amazon, that has broken Amazon. I ordered it Prime. It is going to take six more days to get here. That is how amazing this book is. It has set the Twitter world on fire. It has set all of our Bravo fans are on fire. The book is called Not All Diamonds and Rosé. Dave Quinn, welcome
1: to the show. Oh, my goodness, Ryan, I'm so happy to be here. You know that I absolutely adore you, uh, and it is a thrill to be on this podcast with you today. Really, um, I'm so thrilled to be here.
2: I First off, congratulations. I mean, had you... I mean, this has got to be so exciting. And I think you hint, I asked you to be on uh, a while ago and you said, I'm working on something. I can't say
1: what it is. Was that, is this what it is? That's what it was. You know, I (laughs) I knew that I would be so much more valuable now than I would be back then. Oh, you're always valuable. Oh my God. Um, I was so tight lipped. I was under contract. I couldn't say anything to anybody. So I was kind of... uh, waiting for it all to get out here. And I'm so happy that it is and thrilled to be here today again.
2: This is an oral history of the Housewives. You did over 500 hours of interviews, supposedly. This is sanctioned. This is on Andy Cohen's book imprint. So this is fully sanctioned, which reading now some of the things in it, how the heck did Andy Cohen sanction this? How did, Bra- I mean, you get every piece of dirt. How did this even happen?
1: <laughs> you know, it was really exciting. Uh Bravo came to me and asked me, you know, I had long worked with Bravo uh when I was at People Magazine reporting on all their talent for years. And they said, if you were to write a book about Bravo, what would you want it to be? And I gave them, you know, kind of an outline of what I thought and how it could be and what we would talk about. And, you know, Andy really loved the idea of an oral history and he loves oral histories and we were all kind of working collaboratively on it together in the beginning. And then I took off. I started doing interviews in the summer of 2020 <laughs> uh you know, a great time actually. <laughs> a happy time, yeah. yeah, a happy time in the world. But it turned out to be great. Everybody was stuck at home, no one had anywhere to go. So we spent a lot of time on the phone. Some interviews uh were a little short. I think my shortest was <laughs> nine minutes long. I think that was the shortest interview. Wait, who was that? Uh <laughs> Are we allowed to say who that was? <laughs> I, that, I mean, that was, I don't want to call anyone to the curb, but that was <laughs> a, a little bit more of a reluctant housewife who was very tight lipped and had something very specific to say. And that's all she wanted to say. And then the longest interview was 12 hours. And that was long. Carol, right? That was Carol that uh, she has told me I can tell people. So that was Carol. Were you uh,
2: at a point with Carol? Like, come on, Carol, I gotta, I gotta other interview other people. No, was
1: I was amazing. I could have gotten 12 more hours. It felt like 12 minutes. Like I thought she just has such an interesting perspective as a journalist in and of herself. And of course, she has very strong opinions about people. And I am not one to take sides. I I don't have any skin in the game here. I was really just kind of writing from what everybody was saying to me. I, I keep saying it's a book of feelings not necessarily a book of facts it's how people perceive situations it's what they think but um but yeah i was hanging on every word because you know we all love a a bit of a tease that's
2: that's what i like you are one of us like what i always appreciate about you though as well is that you keep things level like i can i can hit out really hard at people if i have like I, i get really passionate and i I try to go for the joke, sometimes the easy joke, but you're very, uh, you know, not a m- middle of the road in a great way. You, you really take in all sides. And I mean that as a compliment, especially on club Bravo, uh, over on clubhouse that you started, which is just an yeah. amazing, uh, forum for conversation. Um, but was there a part of you because you are one of us too, that when you're sitting there listening to these ladies, I mean, was there any lady that you changed your opinion on for the better possibly during this interview process?
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I really never went in with negative feelings about anyone because the truth of the matter is, you know, (laughs) I I appreciate all the kind things that you're saying, but there are plenty of Bravo fans who will be like, that dude is a suck up that dude. Just like, you know, because I don't necessarily express any sort of negative opinions about people. They think that I'm uh, just trying to get them all on my side. You're the Tom Hanks of, of this, (laughs) of of Bravo. Like everybody loves Tom Hanks. No, the the haters (laughs) screw that. I don't, I don't hear that stuff. but really Ryan like I just I, I'm somebody who approaches the world in a very you know positive way I want people to like each other I've been somebody who's experienced a lot of in my own personal life like bullying and feeling left out and so I just kind of am, I'm a big empath and I just really look to every one of these interviews thinking like this will be an opportunity for me to help tell these people's stories as truthfully as I possibly can I do not, have any stake in any of their feuds but i will say to answer your question like of course you have opinions as a viewer i'm a fan first, and i really like went into some of the conversations because i've interviewed a lot of the housewives but i went into some of the conversations with the side characters like kim d or (laughs) (laughs) people who i've like never really interviewed before being like all right this is going to be probably a little messy I, I, I have no idea what I'm about to get, and they delivered exactly what I imagined they would be. I don't think my opinions were changed, but I think I certainly uh, <laughs> went along for the fan ride. It was fun.
2: Well, speaking about being an empath, I have to imagine sometimes that's a really brutal um, uh, way to go through life, feeling everybody's feelings. But I have to imagine this week, it might be one of the most amazing things to be because there feels like there's so much love for this book out there right now. And I saw that part. I'm so jealous of that dang party. How dare you not invite me from Los Angeles? to I mean, how cool was that? You looked amazing. You had all these housewives there. You had all these Bravo fans there. Was that like cloud nine for you?
1: I mean, it felt like Andy Cohen's baby shower. It was Dave. <laughs> baby shower. Wait, was John Mayer there? Was John, John Mayer? Mayer. John Mayer did not make an appearance, but it felt like Dave Quinn's baby shower. It felt like, you know, uh this book was my baby and I had birthed it and everyone was there to celebrate. It was incredible. I mean, John Mayer, we didn't get John Mayer, I got Kate Chastain, which I'm just as happy. <laughs> that means frankly, she has Kate a beautiful Chastain, singing voice. Yeah. yeah. She is my John Mayer. Or I had Luann, who is my John Mayer as well. It was incredible just to see all of those faces and to see people interacting with one another for the first time, like Candace Diller Bassett. Meeting for the first time Uh, um, uh, Ebony K. Williams That was like such an incredible moment I couldn't believe that I got to like be there To facilitate that Or I saw Dorinda meeting Ebony for the first time Oh yeah That was like so exciting There was just like all this like energy in the room and everyone was excited to see each other and party there was we had a great band so there was dancing it was just uh, I mean I saw Cindy
2: Barshop on the dance floor with Ebony Williams I was like oh my god well now the only thing that cracks me up though is that this book from start to finish now and what I love what you did with this book and what you were allowed to do with it is that like like I said earlier, this is no puff piece. These people are telling real real stories, real things that might like that might hurt other people's feelings. Candace uh, Dillard Bassett has a thing about Andy in there about calling him up and I was like uh, after the the Monique incident and I was like she really tells her real feelings about Andy And she said, "Yeah." And I went up to Andy and I told him the same thing. This, like, I mean, you were allowed to go there with all of these ladies.
1: Yeah, I was very blessed that you know, going into this, Bravo said there will be no question off limits. Like, you could ask whatever you want. And I really had that conversation with all of the women up front. Like, this isn't a gotcha thing. If we have a conversation and you're done with it and you hang up the phone, and then you say, "You know what? I don't really want to actually say that." Come back to me. Like, this is going to be a long process. I have to tell you, not a single person reached back out and asked me to take something out everybody was really comfortable and said what they wanted to say nobody told me please take that out don't say that while they were talking there was no off record if you will Yeah, there's no watergate
2: moment where you're meeting people in dark alleys you know
1: there was none of that but it was funny ryan like because you know in the candace situation she said that to me and i said to her in that moment (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you want me to put this in there? And she was like, yeah, this is how I feel. And of course I then had follow-up conversation with Andy. Andy saw every page. He did not edit anything out he did not say please don't have, let them say that he actually encouraged it he was like the women are going to complain about me I don't mind if they do this is part of the process like I it needs to feel yeah, he gets it you know, it seems
2: like he gets yeah. the whole uh, fan base
1: and listen uh, uh, Candace is allowed to feel frustrated by that moment she brought it up with Andy he could either feel frustrated by that or atone for it but it's in the past it doesn't matter it happened and now you know, they clearly, as she said, like we we have a great relationship, so I'm not uh, worried about causing mess in that sense, but I think the fans really love it.
2: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's it's odd for Candace to finally speak her mind.
1: <laughs> She's such a wallflower. Yeah, she no, never says you got, she you pulled really it from.
2: out of her. Um, uh, the other thing that I find hysterical that is getting so much press right now, and I I thought we had buried this so long. I prayed never to hear but Lucy, Lucy apple juice is all over the news, which this is why I love that I get to talk to you now because i know you're danny kate all this stuff that i get to like heat like the press all is coming out about this and we are reliving lucy lucy apple juice again because of this book i mean were you dying when you heard uh uh mr cullen's comments about lisa being potentially the
1: sniper from the side yeah i mean again the interviews (laughs) there was nothing off limits and everybody really got comfortable and said everything they wanted to say. Everybody I think is excited about the housewives who participated in the book. But for me, the producers are the best interviews because we never hear from them. And when Chris told me what he believed to be, again, it's a book of feelings, not a book of truth. (laughs) He believed to be true how he saw the situation and how production felt about it of course I was excited to hear that. Now, that being said, like, I also talked to, um, Lisa Vanderpump for the book and I, you know, told her that this was an opportunity for her to set the record straight about anything she felt, you know, she wanted to, and she wasn't interested in going back in time and picking apart all of these fights and doing that sort of thing. And she, you know, continues to maintain that she never did that. We all saw her take that lie detector test. So I don't know what the <laughs> truth is and I'm not here telling, you know, that that Chris is completely right or that Lisa is yeah. completely right. Again, just You're like letting anything.
2: them tell their story. This is an oral history. Yeah, you let are there the to fans facilitate. figure it out. <laughs> um uh, another thing that I think and I got to tell you guys for real at home I know you've all ordered this, but if you haven't ordered it, we are right in holiday time. This is like around a $20 price point. This is the gift. I mean, this is the gift, folks. But uh, I am waiting for this with bated breath with Am. Like, this is the first time Amazon has completely failed me. Like, I was like, I, I, I it's supposed to be here by the end of the week. I need it now. But so I sorry. do read, you even have the OC Brooks cancer story in here. And I was reading a quote from... Um, I'm trying to remember which housewife, but saying that he had taken a uh, a, a receipt about uh, uh, some kind of cancer uh, service or treatment. Yeah. And he had just found it on the Internet. And she was like, yeah, he I found it. It was a Google search. It was the first one that came up and I tore it up. But that scene didn't make the show.
1: I know. It was incredible how many things didn't actually get in there. Uh, And that was, I think it was a EKG or a a, a CT scan or something. Yeah. Yeah. He allegedly had Googled. Of course, I reached out to Brooks too. I was like, Brooks, do you want to talk for me for the book? (laughs) No response, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> of course I'm not surprised there, but yeah, uh, I was super excited, um, to hear and to relive all that. I, you mean you can't do an oral history and not talk about cancer gate. And it's funny, Bill Langworthy, who is the showrunner that season had such an incredible perspective on it. Cause he was like, this was my first time working on OC. And when you're working on an entertainment reality show, you don't want to hear the words, uh, oncology and cancer and these sorts <laughs> yeah, of things he was yeah. like it was a nightmare for us we were like please stop talking about this because they thought it was all just a conspiracy and they had they did not believe that there was any truth to their thoughts whatsoever well allegedly there was because brooks did later admit that he uh falsified documents so here we go i mean they uncovered it detective megan king Owens as we (laughs) call her now Uh, I hope uh, I hope her her uncle In law I guess uh, yeah uh, gives her a big old job in the FBI because that's what she deserves. I think
2: he could possibly be in the second book of this day. I think this second <laughs> the oral history is already the oral history of the release of this book, I think, is the next thing that they need to put. Because even at that party the other night, I wake up and, of course, page six is alleged you can never read. It, you never believe anything. that it. But they're saying there were walkouts once Ebony was there. We're still Ooh. in this kind of whole wild craziness with Real Housewives of New York, when you were interviewing the New York ladies, and I woke up also to Leah's Instagram story of, oh, hell no. You're going to talk about me and Tinsley,
1: Sonia. Did you see that? I did see it. And I've gotten a lot of text messages. I've gotten a lot of phone calls from angry housewives, (laughs) curious that this is what andy uh, does all the time yeah i I, do i do feel like andy cohen without andy cohen's salary i do feel (laughs) like andy cohen's lifestyle i mean i'm sure andy cohen isn't doing uh interviews from a uh, one bedroom apartment but uh like uh, it is crazy to to feel that vitriol and it's funny um There, it's not directed towards me, you know, it's nothing I did. These are words that other people said. I I think people feel frustrated that maybe there wasn't enough fact checking, but this isn't about facts, as I keep saying, it's feelings, yeah, feelings. And, um, and it's funny because Melissa Gorga, I was just watching E's Daily Pop and she was on and she was talking about that she was really mad about some of the things that her sister in law said about her, about some of the things her family and other cast members said about her. So she was frustrated, and I was like, you know what? I kind of live for it. Like I. This well, they're they're
2: awesome. proving to be why we love them in the first place. Like exactly. they can they cannot not be housewives. Like they're this is already like
1: I, I was like oh my gosh is this going to be a storyline in New York next season? This book it <laughs> potentially could be. You know, listen if if Leah McSweeney shows up at a big dinner and just like casually puts oh. the book on the table, oh. i season one of Real Housewives in New Jersey. Uh, consider me losing my mind at home. I, and I want to just say this once again. There's been a lot of things that have broken already. There's still so much more in this, yes. book. this book. Just, I have a copy here. It's thick, thick. You, thick. Oh, you guy. He's,
2: <laughs> look at how much he's trying to show off that he has his own book. I only
1: have one copy. I promise. It does me. look insanely thick. It's, that actually makes me really happy that it's going to be a big read. Yeah. She's a girthy girl. I keep saying, but <laughs> I will, I will tell you, Ryan, like there, there's so much in there. And, uh, and I, wrote it from the perspective of a fan. Like I am a fan first. It is not lost on me whatsoever that there's an article, like you just mentioned in page six about this party that I helped throw from my book. I'm like, what? Like, this is unbelievable. Just as like a fan of the housewives, a fan of these women. I wrote the book from the perspective of a fan. I want everyone to feel like their questions are answered as best as they can here. So I'm super excited that that's the sort of reaction that it's getting.
2: Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Being a fan and coming from that perspective, even though you are a, a trained writer that has had so many years of experience, did you ever find it getting in your own way being a fan of, Uh, you know, second-guessing things or thinking from a fan perspective other than a writer's perspective?
1: Oh, my God, yes. I spent the entire 10 months, 11 months that I was working on this book just torturing myself, thinking that I was going to disappoint everybody, that they were going to hate it. Margaret Josephs called me this morning and she was like, what a drama queen you were. Every time we talked, I was (laughs) like, how's the book? And you were like, it's it's terrible. They don't love it. I don't think it's going to be great. But, you know, again, like, there was so much and I felt such a huge responsibility to this fandom. I wanted it all to be there. The only time it got in the way in my interviewing was really with Andy. I still like, don't know how to talk to that man. I have had the yeah. pleasure of working closely with him on this project. And there's still that part of me just as somebody who admires him so much, admires him as uh, what he's done in his career, admires him as a father, uh, admires him just as a, a human. I, I, certainly still when I see him or talk to him, just, uh, you know, like I just like stumble over my words. I feel like, did you
2: have a moment at the party with Mr. Cohen about what he thought? Did he give you a, uh, attaboy? Did he, did he say anything,
1: uh, amazing to you, you know, he was so kind. We, we posed for a quick picture. He was obviously, as you can imagine getting mauled by, uh, both, uh, housewives and party goers. And he had a live show that night. So it was so nice to be able to stop by to take some pictures, to do some interviews. And I felt so grateful that he was there. It's so exciting for you
2: and for all of us to be a part of something that I think like Andy War. I was thinking about Andy Warhol the other day and I was like, man, I would love to have seen him watch The Housewives. I would have loved to have seen him interact, but we're all a part of something and you're a part of something. Like you, you are... Uh, one of the people at the heads of the table in terms of representing us as fans. And I think you do that in this book, you do that with club Bravo. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention what club Bravo is just so if people do not know really quickly, because I have imagining, I imagine that this
1: book is being talked about 24 seven over there. What is club Bravo really quickly? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for asking. Um, Clubhouse is an incredible app. If you guys aren't using it, it's a social audio app. It's completely free. It was closed for a while and now it's open for everyone. And it's a great place where you can have conversations about a variety of topics. When I first joined, you know, I was going into rooms where they were talking about meditation, where I was going to rooms. I'm, I'm nine years sober. There were sobriety rooms. There was conversations about cryptocurrency. There was all across the gambit, uh, social justice, chalks, politics. But there was no one talking about bravo in fact there was one room where bravo came up and i went on stage and i asked a question i said to everyone like how much do you think these women make you know knowing well that i had spoken a lot about salaries behind the scenes while i was working on this project and the uh the the cast the the, the cast of characters who were up there in clubhouse all decided that the women make a million dollars an episode and i was like oh okay that's interesting <laughs> you think they're the cast of friends they are not the cast of friends this is not the 2000. So it really gave me a good understanding of the fact that the fans have a a little bit of a skewed perspective, you know, and I would hear people say things like, she's just faking this for her storyline, knowing fully well that like, no, Melissa Gorga really did believe that she had a long lost sister and she really was out there trying to find her and nothing materialized. And that's what it was. So I thought that, uh, starting a club and really running rooms in clubhouse would give us an opportunity to squash some of the rumors and also just allow conversation, you know, because the truth is like I did in this book and like we tried to do being a housewife is not all diamonds and rosé. It is hard and difficult. And, uh, and there are struggles and challenges that they go through. It's not Mo Money, uh, <laughs> Less Problems. It's Mo Money, Mo Problems. So uh, we really talk about it all. And there's room for everyone's conversation. And you've come into the rooms and been so generous. And I want to say, I mean, I'm grateful for the kindness and the and the incredible compliments you just gave me. But Ryan, you're such a huge part of this fandom too. And it is just as much of a pinch me moment to be here talking to you today because you know, you're somebody who services the fan community with hilarious memes on social media all the time with your podcast, with information. And you're, I know how hard it is to jump in on your Instagram and, and be constantly creating that information, uh, and feeding the fandom. And I just, I bow down to you. I think I'm putting this on my audio.
2: I'm putting this on my (laughs) audio vision board. Thank you. You just made a dream come true for me. I, I Um, I really do appreciate it coming from you. Um, What is the moment talking to one of these ladies? If like, was there ever a moment that made you cry in the middle of an interview?
1: Yeah. You know, I, uh, again, the empath part of me, I get very emotional with these women. And I, I really teared up talking to Taylor Armstrong. I was in, I was sobbing. Um, She detailed very candidly the stuff that was happening behind the scenes with her um, now deceased. Russell. um, a husband, Russell Armstrong. And, and, uh, it was just, phew, I mean, I'd still just thinking about that interview. I get chills up my spine. It was just so hard to hear, to think that for so long, somebody was suffering in silence. Uh, that was just difficult, but you know, the conversations with Candace and Monique around their. um, disagreement was also really hard for me because I felt for both of those women. I think, you know, it's so clear that the fandom chose sides there and really just drew a line still does still still do
2: already on twitter i woke up to getting tagged in a bunch of things because i had monique on and she was telling like this story again and like oh she lied about this and and it was coming from your book they were sending me quotes from your book about her you know potentially not being offered a contract and stuff and i'm like wow we're just never going to let this go
1: but the truth is like i i think that there are real people forget, like because they think it's just entertainment, they think it's just fun. There are real feelings, real emotions. And when you've ever had conflict in your life with somebody, there are times where you feel really righteous in your feelings and you see things so clearly. Yes, and, yes. And there's no way that anyone could talk you out of that. So I really, you know, talking to both of them felt so. I felt a lot of empathy for both of them through that moment. And I hope that fans try to have like just a little bit more empathy if they can, we all can have fun and I understand it, but you know, when the attacks get so vicious that I think they're trying to like that, say that people shouldn't breathe. Sometimes I'm always like y'all are taking it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Taking it too far. Like it's too much.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the funny thing is that we treat it since it is a reality show, we treat these people like our friends, like our family. And if you like Caroline Manzo says, if you speak against our family, you know, so we have that moment of like, how dare you, but it almost, then you kind of laugh at yourself because you're like, I'm getting this worked up over a reality show, but that's the genius of the housewives is that it does get you emotionally invested. That's the genius of, this book is that it continues on our emotional investment it it, it puts us behind the scenes and that's why it's like i'm going to devour this sucker because it is going to like and this is official like we don't get in trouble for reading this like andy's not going to get upset at us for reading this this is sanctioned by bravo
1: no it's incredible and it's so funny because again i could write a book right now based on what's happened since you know last night i got a video of um of kelly dodd and vicky gumbleson hanging out (sighs) (laughs) I was like, what they were like together, drinking the night away, partying together. I was like, the things they said about each other in this book, the things they've experienced together, the fact that like, they're now hanging out as friends is just Insane to me. And that's, that's the thing. It's like these relationships shift and, and change and move so much that, uh, you know, we could do the sequel tomorrow. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I hope this is a
2: series of books that you will be doing. I hope there's one just for Vanderpump rules. I hope there's one for summer house, winter house. Yes. Um, below deck. I want to oh do my gosh, below deck, deck folks, would be amazing. so badly. Um, So in the book, is there any kind of uh, talk about um, the evolution of social media in the housewives? And, you know, of course you have clubhouse, but you also Twitter uh, was born on the same day that OC premiered. That was the first day Twitter was online was the day. And it's to think about how much it now plays a part in all of this fandom and hoopla. Do you guys talk about that in the book?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely addressed to some extent. I mean, you think about somebody like Joe De La Rosa, who was 24 years old when she started the Real Housewives of Orange County. She completely missed the boat on social media, on influencer yeah. culture, on Instagram. And, you know, she, I think, is incredible and is now, you know, really built in a great brand for herself. I hope everyone follows her. She's lovely. But, you know, this is just such a different world. We talk a lot about the fact that women come in and, and a lot of the women criticize the other women. They come into the show knowing what their brand is or you know, just trying to look a certain way on Instagram. And the there was something that Carol Razwell said to me during one of our interviews where she said, uh, a lot of the fights that you see on the show are about the show, that the show itself plays a big part in some of the disagreements that are going on. I mean, social media is a big part of that. Candice and Monique, that they talk a lot about How certain, you know, in in Candace's perspective, Monique was playing into social media. So it's explored through that. It's not explored through a deep, deliberate conversation across housewives. A lot of those talks, and I had a lot of them, uh, just for the sake of, um, of trying to get all the juicy parts in had to be removed, but I think it's, it's really good. You'll get that. As you read, you can see how social media has shifted in the housewives universe.
2: Um, I, I asked about crying. What is the interview or moment that made you laugh the most?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, intentionally and unintentionally are very different things. (laughs)
2: Can I I get both? Am I allowed to give you both?
1: both? Oh yeah. I'll give you both. I, I unintentionally laughed a lot at, um, at Sonia Morgan because I, (laughs) I, I, we talked for about eight hours and I think I asked her maybe three questions. Like I didn't really have, she just went space. Yeah. She just like was telling stories and, and at the same time, like shouting orders at her, um, and her uh, um, interns who were in the room and like scheduling things. So there was like a a, a hilarious chaos to it all. Again, I keep saying this, the housewives are exactly who you think they are when they're off camera. They are exactly who you think they are. There's no difference there. Which comforts you and scares you at the same time. Exactly. Right. So you can imagine a conversation with Kelly Dodd is going to be like (laughs) very wild. You can imagine a conversation with Shannon Bador is going to be very emotional at times, like, um, there's a lot of those sorts of things. And then um uh, <laughs> intentionally laughing. I I think that Heather Thompson is just hilarious. She really cracks me up. And she took a bubble bath when we talked. This these oh luxurious. These interviews were not over Zoom. I will just I should have started there. They were just over the phone, but she was like, Do you mind if I take a bubble bath? And I was like, I this is hilarious. Like, of course you can take a bubble bath. This is while <laughs> talking to a naked housewife right now like that was <laughs> um the other thing that we are
2: getting and this is another thing that I think is just great promotion for the book because you get these housewives talking but we have uh you know there there is a piece of the book that alleges that uh, Bethany potentially set up the uh, the the regency meeting with Tom and the girl to have the it's not about Tom, which is maybe essentially an argument for ghost producing. But Bethany then hits back out of this kind of like uh, I have receipts for everything I do. She doesn't me- mention the book, but when you see things like that, does your stomach drop or are you like high five? Yes
1: no because I, again it, it's not my words this is one of the reasons why i was thrilled not to write a, a narrative driven book because yeah. it's not about my opinion i'm a journalist i'm really here to collect their stories and let them tell it themselves so when i see something like bethany you know i think she's doing a series of um uh, of episodes of her podcast really chronicling her experience. And she's tweeting that she has receipts. That's great. I I would love to see that. I'm going to tune in and listen. I can't wait to hear it because the conversation, there's plenty of room for everybody's experiences and their thoughts. And that's what I tried to do. And I'm sure there will be more of it. I'm sure she's just the beginning.
2: When you hear that moment come out though, I mean, as a writer, you're, you're doing your thing, but as a fan, are you like jaw dropped? Yeah. I, yeah,
1: again, because like, I was
2: jaw drop reading. I'm like, what? Are you what? Like you set that up and then it's just like that's genius but really scary at the same time and your mind just
1: races. Right. And here's the thing is like, it is not my place to fact check anyone, tell them whether or right, you know, I didn't do a lot of back and forth going back to get more quotes from people. And I didn't tell them what they said about each other because I, I don't want to cause fights in the background before this is done. And, but when you're editing, right, when I'm putting all these things together, I have a 12 hour transcript of, of Carol Raswell's to cut down, um, you know, something that she says there, you say, okay, well, that's her experience and that's what she thinks. And as a, as a fan, I'm like, that's crazy as you know, maybe a skeptic. I'm like, could that have happened? I don't know, but I just have to believe that that is what she believes. I have to believe that that is what Sonia believes that that is what Heather believes. I have to believe that this is what Bethany believes. And uh, the truth will, I will never truly know receipts again can be doctored. I don't know what the truth is, but I I look forward to (laughs) her mentioning it all. I hope she mentions it all. Was there a form letter that
2: went out to these ladies before you would like make a follow-up call of like, (laughs) here's what's happened. Was there like an email blast of we're doing this book and you might be contacted?
1: Yeah, I believe there was an email blast. I I wasn't on the email, um, but I contacted all these women one-on-one painstakingly, lots of Lots of tracking down phone. Oh, oh, can I tell you my favorite thing? Yes. Um, sorry. This is really exciting. I haven't told anybody that. So I, I want to tell you exclusive, um, exclusive, exclusive. So we all watch the season of Beverly Hills this year. It's incredible. Great season. Yeah. And there's that moment where Kyle finds out that Kim has a new phone number, right? We all <laughs> yeah. saw it from yeah, Kathy. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Kathy, yeah. like, oh, she changed her. You don't have her new number. And Kim, Kyle's like, she has a new number. I know. Because I was also getting her new number at that time. <laughs> and I talked to Kim a lot about it. She had phone issues and um, you know, it was during COVID, she was really not interested in leaving the house because she was scared, like yeah. many people were, of COVID, and she went and had to like all sorts of phone issues and had to switch out her number. Um, and I got a text message from Brandy Glanville being like, uh because I, I texted Brandy. Brandy's admitted. Brandi. Brandy, Kim, Kim and I had a call set for Tuesday. Now I called her and her number is disconnected. And, and Brandy's like, oh, she's getting a new number. I'll give it to you and sent me the new number. So I, it was not, I when that happened, I was like on the show, I was like, I know this wasn't intentional against Kyle. I just know that like she yeah. changed her number and that was happening in the midst of me, not only writing ah. this book, but trying to schedule her for an interview. So that yeah. cracked me up.
2: As we start wrapping up, uh, I just have a couple more questions. Is Lisa Rinna in the book? I know she's talked about in the book. Did you interview Lisa Rinna?
1: I did. Yeah, we talked. And <laughs> Lisa Rinna, I just love her. Again, I know fans. have uh,
2: opinions. Uh, uh, I, lo- I made- love her on the show. I want her on the show forever. But she's one of those people that
1: frustrates the heck out of me. I get it. I understand. And But, you know, that's a hard role to play, right? Somebody who... Uh, is divisive in the universe. <laughs> and I don't know, again, like she is really, I think damned if you do damned, if you don't, I, I have been saying this in clubhouse too. Like there was the episode this season uh, early on and she's, you know, trying to get the truth out of whatever. And somebody was like, Lisa Renna has, is chasing everybody else down, but she won't say anything about her daughter dating Scott Disick. She's such a liar. And then she opened up about it the next episode. And they were like, Lisa Renna is using her daughter dating Scott Disick (laughs) as her storyline. I was like, yo, this woman can't win. So (laughs) I I kind of, again, I appreciate Lisa Renna and I think she gives some great interviews. Oh,
2: but it's been fun. She's weaponizing the book. She's, I mean, she was on cloud nine yesterday or two days. Ago on her Instagram stories of like, see truth comes out. Like I mean, she was on cloud nine. Um, and we find out Harry Styles loves uh, her in the show last night. So huge. I mean, that you need to reach out to Harry Styles now and do an oral history about his love of the housewives.
1: I mean, no, I got to send him a book. Like, yo, Harry. Yes, uh, I'll sign. Oh my gosh. Post post it on your Instagram. I love you, Dave.
2: Dave. (laughs) Um. Now you are very open on uh, your Twitter and your social media about things like uh, depression, being sober for nine years, things that I really appreciate because I am a big proponent of mental health. Um, Now, when you then interview these housewives, do you ever get the feeling as an empath that this has
1: left an indelible mark on these ladies and some bad more than good? Yes, yes, yes. A hundred times. Yes. And I think that uh, it's hard. We talk a lot about the show being almost like a drug and it'd be yeah. difficult for them to kind of get past that. Uh, Bronwyn, although this part is not in the book, it, oh, has been very honest about the fact that she was addicted to alcohol and addicted to the show and addicted to the theme of it all. Vicki Gumbelson in the book talks about that it took her a while to kind of get through the loss of leaving. Um, and a lot of women who were even, whether you were on for 14 years or 14 minutes, it really affects the way that they navigate the world. One of the women told me that it has completely ruined her self confidence. Yeah, she just like doesn't know because of the way the fans talk to her all the time on social media. Sometimes she doesn't know, you know, what to believe about herself. I tried to remind. What lady them, was that? Or or do we need to read the? Book I don't. I don't want to say. Okay. That yeah. 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 Because that part didn't make it in. But oh, okay, um, sorry. So I don't want to identify her, but I I think it's um. It really hurts me to hear that, you know, because we don't think about that when we're having fun and we're like, not, not at all. Right. And I try to remind them again, it's not all diamonds and rosé. I try to remind all the housewives that you can't listen to anything. Anybody negative says about you on the internet, you have to ignore it all. Those people did not get you cast on the show. And I try to remind them also that you can't listen to anything anybody positive says about you on the internet. Like you have to just ignore it. It it can really cloud your mind if you're going in to a season thinking, well, the fans love it when I did this and I did this and I did this. So I'm going to keep doing that because it, it you don't want to become a caricature. You don't want to become uh, we all can really love the things that Kelly Dodd was was saying in the beginning. And if she keeps playing up that personality that the fans love, they can turn on her at the end. So it's hard. I think, yeah, I do- try to be real. But I have to say, I mean, because I'm an empath and because I'm so glad you mentioned I've opened up so much about my own experiences. Those are the same conversations I'm having with the housewives. So when Kenya Moore talks to me about being abandoned by her family, I'm telling her about being abandoned by mine and how hard that was for me and how much she has helped me Because I've watched her open up about these things and it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And I think as fun as it is to think about table flips and wine throws and all these things, these shows are really good at giving us visions of things that are difficult and, and, and the struggles that people go through and the strength that they have to overcome them or not. You, I mean, you nailed it. I think the the
2: reason these shows can be so funny and fun is because it still has this emotional uh, undercurrent that gives it a strong foundation. Like, even on Salt Lake, that that with Jenny and Dewey, her husband, this past week, you're like, this is a real conversation. This is a real moment that you're like trying to understand. And it is really, and that's why these shows are able to be so crazy and silly. Then on the flip side, but even when I was talking to Whitney, we were talking about her dad, and she was saying, like, everybody was so, you know, making fun of his hair, and this is a man, you know, and, and you. But I was like, but Whitney, like I'm one of those people that you just don't, you're trying to find the joke and you don't really think about that other side of it. So I'm so excited in this book to read some of those moments, to make us see that flip side of it, to see what is behind all of those moments that are just legendary. Uh, And I think this book is already legendary and I think you are legendary. And I'm so happy that you took the time to talk with uh, us baddies today, Um, because this is, I I just, this is like Christmas came early for me, uh, except if Amazon would get their stuff together, so I could read this dang book, but I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful that you did this. Is there anything else that we need to know going into our journey reading this book? Uh,
1: Again, I'm really overwhelmed by all the love you just said, and I I take it in. I want to let you know that it's not lost on me, and I'm grateful for all of it and grateful for everything. Again, I would just say that there's so much in there that I think that you're going to love to, uh, explore it. We've seen a lot of things in page six and in other print outlets of, and it's incredible, but there's still so many great stories. Oh, and yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited for everybody. We know the names, Lisa Vanderpump. We know the names, Kyle Richards, Candy Burris, you know, Candace Dillard, Karen Huger. Those names are all household names to us, but I'm excited for Carlos King to be a household name in the same way. I'm excited He's the for producer, our, correct? Yeah. Our, our producers, uh, you know, Doug Ross, Alex Baskin, Lucilla, like Lauren- um uh, Lorraine these names Lisa Shannon like uh, Matt and and uh Matt Anderson and Nate Green like I'm thrilled for everyone to be talking about them in the same sort of way because these people I know they don't want to be in front of the spotlight (laughs) but they have shaped so many incredible moments for all of us and they have worked really hard for a long time without any recognition and I'm just were
2: they reluctant to show how the
1: sausage was made at all were they like ah no reluctancy What I heard the most after the interviews was that it was really cathartic for them, (laughs) that they were excited to be able to kind of relive this and go back in history and tell their stories. Um. Because oftentimes I would say, well, you know, we all know that so-and-so said that this happened and they would be like, okay, well that is not how it really happened. Here's how it really happened. And I mean, that was really fun to kind of clarify
2: what I wouldn't give to be a producer's inbox in one of the, like this week, uh, to see the emails coming in, but you guys, uh, the book, of course, we are going to put all the links and all of that stuff on the description. Uh, Dave Quinn. Go to Club Bravo on Clubhouse. You can be talking to all of us people that love this stuff so, so much. And this book is a passion project that shows all of this love in one solid book that we will all be buying. We are going to be buying this book. Dave, I hope you come back another time because I just want to talk all of this stuff with you. But true hero of mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I just I'm so proud uh, to know you and to be able to
1: read this book soon. Thank you so much Ryan really I'm getting choked up like yes. I really No I'm serious like I really appreciate that. Oh I, man, I so world, proud. Dude, you're the yeah. best dude. We will get back
2: to the excitement in just a second folks, but I wanted to uh to talk about some products that are advertising on so bad it's good this week and we love products that are advertising on so bad it's good and these are both places that have sent me Uh, samples. And you know, I love me some samples. And this first one, I had never, I know CBD is all the rage. I know that, but I had never tried it for some reason. Uh, And I've tried it and I love it. And I want to tell you about this company, Papa and Barkley. So CBD and their products, they help with general pains, stresses, or restlessness. um, And a all of us. I mean, that's where I'm like, yes, all of us listeners have all of those. I have knee pain. I have now back pain. I have pain, pain. You know how stressed I am. I'm restless all of the time. And got to tell you folks, you know, I always talk about melatonin and then I have melatonin dreams and I got to stop it because it's really scary. I haven't been having melatonin dreams CBD is not giving me melatonin dreams and I am so here for it. So let's talk about all the benefits of CBD for a second um, because it is hard to find reliable products. Uh, Papa and Barkley creates award winning CBD solutions for pain Stress, sleep, and everyday wellness. And unlike less effective CBD brands, they have an unmatched, clean, chemical free whole plant process with proven results. So, my experience they sent uh, me a bunch of products. They sent me uh, the Pop and Barkley Relief Double uh drop strength lemongrass um they sent me the relief pain balm they sent me the drops and they come in uh just like this little I don't want to say tincture <laughs> like, like Shannon Bedore uh but it's like just drops you can put under your tongue and then let dissolve or pills or or balm like i put the um they have this uh this pain balm and i put it on the right side of my knee where it kills and it actually It made it feel better. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And I don't know why I didn't try any of this stuff. I've heard about this for years and just never, never tried it. And now I feel like why this has always been there. Um, I only have so many free free products and then I'm actually going to have to buy this stuff myself. So uh, Papa and Barkley founder Adam Grossman created the groundbreaking relief balm to ease his father's debilitating back pain. So from that powerful homemade balm that I was talking about, Papa and Barkley has expanded to a full line of topical balms, oils, tinctures, and capsules, all made with 100% natural clean ingredients and whole plant, full-spectrum CBD. So today, they are the number one cannabis wellness company in California, and with their new CBD relief line, they can ship nationwide. Their CBD relief balm delivers hours of comfort with simple, plant-based ingredients— in an at-home use test with over 300 participants, users reported a 40% reduction in daily discomfort in just one week of using the bomb. Uh, I am actually not one of those 300, but I can attest to that. So the award-winning CBD oil Relief Drops is their fastest metabolizing daily wellness option for easing daily stress, discomfort, and supporting a good night's sleep. Papa and Barkley is on a mission to improve lives through CBD in its purest cleanest form possible so right now go to papa and cbd.com slash so bad for 20 percent off your first purchase that's huge 20 percent. that's 20 percent off for new customers at p-a-p-a and b-a-r-k-l-e-y cbd.com slash so bad i tell you i'm not joking i am getting my parents this uh for their stocking stuffer um yeah, they get stocking stuffers. So what, uh, the next, uh, company is called uncommon goods, you guys. So if you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this year, uh, it's, I hope people are on that mission for me, but, uh, I gotta get, I gotta get better at at this and uncommon goods is where I start, you know, but it is never too early to start crossing people off your holiday shopping list. So whether you're shopping for mom, Dad, teenagers, in laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods make it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. So, here are my few of my favorite gifts that I have found on the site so far. Okay, so this is really cool. They have the website Uncommon Goods, they have it in sections, so like mail. Uh No, sorry. Women, men, kids, teens, dad, mom. And so I just clicked on men because I'm a man, man I, pretty much. And um so, li- okay. They have a glass topper cocktail smoker that helps with like, sm- like uh, it's like when you're making drinks, like when you're like Tom Sandoval at Sur, this is the glass topper cocktail smoker. It looks so cool. I want that. They have a make your own hot sauce kit. Uh, they have a nitro cold brew coffee maker, you guys. I am you know how I like cold brew, I'm trying to cut down, but it, this is a cold brew maker. you have a grilled personal pizza maker. I'm telling you I believe there's like ninety six percent female listen to this audience, and if you guys have husbands or boyfriends, I'm telling you this is place they have a portable campfire they have uh they have a Mars dust globe. it's like a snow globe with Mars dust. yeah, I'm a geek. they have baseball park map pint classes. I'm not into sports, but I love pint glasses, and they have them. They have baseball stadium blueprints framed. I'm telling you, I've seen your guys watch sports on your Instagram stories. They are going to love this stuff, and not just for guys. Like I said... They have it for women. They have it for kids. Uh, This place is dope as hell, and I want you to check it out. So who knows what holiday shopping will look like this season. Uh, It's very different every year now, the last couple of years. But the unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now. Get it taken care of early. Um, No matter what they are into, your friends, your family, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash so bad. That's uncommongoods.com slash so bad for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Uh, We're all out of the ordinary. I love that. And I'm seriously, you guys, I geeked out on their website. Just go check out their website. I think you're going to find stuff that you like. And now back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us uh, through those commercials. I appreciate it. Go check those guys out. And Dave Quinn, how amazing. Also, kudos to me. I made him cry. What did that, like, I'm the Barbara Walters of podcasting. Look, pat on the back, Ryan. Try to make more guests cry. No, seriously, I cannot. I cannot wait to learn how to read just to read that book. How many jokes am I going to make like that this year where I'm like, I don't know how to read, when in reality, I just don't read. I know how to, but I keep making the same joke again and again and again. Uh, speaking of again and again and again, let's talk Vanderpump Rules, folks. Really enjoying the season up to this point, but this past week, episode, episode four, did not care for. I, I don't know if I was in a pissy mood, but I just thought, this is this is a hot, steaming turd pile of garbage you know those hot steaming per turbile? It just was it just felt all off, all not right. It was like the Matrix where, you know, at the end, Keanu Reeves can see all the code. He's like, Oh, I can see all the ones and zeros. Like I was literally felt like I was watching the Matrix where I'm like, I see exactly how this is being made. I'm like, Lisa's told to ask about this, so Katie and Tom get into a fight. Like it all seemed so pre planned. But there are still moments of levity, moments that we can make fun of, moments that we can laugh together, that we can commune over. So, Let's do that, shall we? This uh, is called Palm Springs and Tiffany Rings, and I already—I was like, I know exactly what this means. It means they're still in Palm Springs, and it means DJ James Kennedy gave her a Tiffany ring, according to last episode. I got your Tiffany ring, oh, I'm DJ James Kennedy. <laughs> and remember, I, I, I love Raquel now so much, and I used to do Raquel's voice as. I'm so scared that no one will like me. But then I just related to her so hard. And I think she's so beautiful, but I'm like not in like, I, I'm not attracted to Raquel. Like, even though she's extremely beautiful, you know what I'm, not, I'm saying? Just like, she's a beautiful spirit. You know, those people where you're like, she's got a beautiful spirit. I think that's Raquel. But then I decided I want to give Raquel a really strong voice. So my Raquel voice now is like, I'm very scared of what you talking about, DJ James Kennedy. It's kind of like a Mr. T. It's like, I pity the fool because I wanted to be the strongest person I imagine. And that's always Mr. T because I was a kid in the 80s. And Mr. T, if you don't know him, he was this guy on this show called The A-Team. And he had a mohawk and he had all these gold chains and you didn't mess around with him. His character was named B.A. Baracus. And B.A. stood for bad attitude. And that's that's how I think of Raquel now. She don't mess with Raquel, because I go, my name is B.A., Raquel Attitude. That doesn't even make sense. So that's my Raquel voice. I, you know, I just, I feel like I should retire the shaky voice. Like, we'll come back to it, but I feel I want to give her that strong voice, you know, and see how that works. Um, And, of course, Brock, uh, Brock Sheena's uh, lover that uh, had the Summer Moon baby with – I do get summer, moon, and ocean mixed up just in terms of names. You know, they're just both like, I don't know, they feel like they're all part of some like beach festival to me. But I had a, um, I had a listener, um, a lady from Australia, uh, uh, DM me and kind of gave me some pointers, which I thought was so amazing about um, <laughs> about how to do a proper accent so I'm gonna play this voice note I don't know if you'll be able to fully uh hear it but let's see if we can do this because I let's see if I can try to implement okay here we go
0: okay so I'm gonna give you a quick lesson in Australian accents I'm only just catching up on last week's Vanderpump Rules podcast but okay Brock Brooke. Come on, Sheena. Come so on, Sheena. A, a real A at the end, like Sheena.
2: Sheena. Turn better. Better. Okay,
0: that's all I've got right now.
2: Sheena, better. Ah, I don't think I'm doing it. Come on, Sheena. Come on, better. Here's another.
0: God, this is gonna sound bad, but we kind of say things like "Good day."
2: Good day. Ah yeah. Ah yeah. What are you doing? What are you so doing? Everything kind of goes "uh" at the end uh. of the sentence. Oh, ah, uh, I can do "uh." Okay. Okay. So I can I think I can implement the, uh, I do that a lot of the times with my normal speaking. Anyways, I'll just be like, Hey, pass me that. Uh." (laughs) Do that today. You guys, when you're out in public, go, uh, um, Oh ma'am, let me hold the door open for you. Uh," Just like Australians do. So, uh, as always, we were like, you know, previously on Vanderpump Rules and, uh, you, you just have all the bullshit that we've seen up to this point. You have, um, you know, Katie saying that like her and Tom Schwartz are trying to have a baby. You have Sandoval and Katie already fighting. We see clips of that from previous episodes. Um, you know, we have, uh, schwartz and sandoval sandoval saying he's having second thoughts about having katie work there uh we also have the brock you know going uh i haven't seen my beautiful kids for four years ah. did i do that right good day i haven't seen my kids in four years good day Cedar. <laughs> we see lala saying brock is acting like it's no big deal what in the world i just can't imagine this and then of course last week we had Rochella which is the Coachella music festival but it's based around Ra- raquel and I just thought it would be interesting if if somebody overdosed at rachella like they do at Coachella or just all the just like I said last week like just people just projectile vomiting because it's a very intense music festival and I do I gotta tell you there are a couple scenes in the beginning where I'm like I and I don't even want to ask them because I don't want to be I don't want to put them in a weird spot but I feel like they're on drugs. I feel like they're on Molly or the street name, ecstasy, Molly Two tank. I'm just making up names, but it does feel, and I'll point out the, the actual scene and I, and I could reach out and ask, but I just don't want to put it in an awkward position. You know, Um, Okay, so we have opening themes. These are the best days of our lives. They are not. Uh, So we go, we open up, and the the fireworks are going off. DJ James Kennedy has just popped the question. Sandoval rushes to the other, and he's like... They did it, DJ James Kennedy. He, he just got engaged with Raquel, and DJ James Kennedy is screaming, "I did it! I did it!" When it's just like, dude, this is about her. It's not about you. You're screaming, "I did it!" Like like a, like, a, like a stupid fool. Uh, they walk back to all of the gang, and there's confetti cannons, They're all You know, Sheena's like has a big smile on her face. DJ James Kennedy's wearing some kind of like Technicolor dream coat. It's like very spangly. It works on him. I would look like a clown, like a literal clown. I'd be like, "Who's the?" who's the clown that's here at work? Um, so, uh, you know, DJ James Kennedy's like, I'm surrounded by friends, you know, it's amazing. And and Raquel's going, I'm surrounded by friends too at this festival named after me, Raquel. uh, I'm going to be the future Mrs. James Kennedy. I can't believe this is my life. And then DJ James Kennedy's like, I can't believe what Tom did for me. I know, yes, Schwartz is his best friend, but come on, come on. I'm his real best friend. And then they call uh, FaceTime Raquel's mom, and she's like, The box said Tiffany and Company, mom. The box said Tiffany and Company. And we get a flashback of when DJ James Kennedy's mom, uh, a couple years ago, a couple seasons ago, was like, You think I'm a bad mom? You took your first steps at Tiffany and Company, DJ James Kennedy, which is also like, That doesn't make you a good mob. That actually makes you creepier. Who's letting their baby run around a Tiffany and co like what? Why is a baby taking their first steps? And I mean, is that like a normal thing for rich people? Come teach your kid. Like maybe on Tuesdays, Tiffany and companies have like, come walk your kid at our store. Come teach your kid to walk at Tiffany and co on Wednesdays from nine to 11 a.m. And then uh, in a talking head. Raquel goes, oh, princesses get their ring at Tiffany. And then Ariana and Tom are laying on the grass. And this is where I think they're on drugs. Um, and, but like, not like like heroin, not fun drugs, like Molly and stuff. It's not, you know, addictive. And, um, but this is one of the best things about Coachella, you guys. And I know it sounds silly, but just laying on the grass and talking to your loved ones. I'm not joking. That's like one of the big appeals. Like there's so much music happening, but there's so much field. So you'll just go, you know, cop a squat. And, uh, and just sit and talk with your friends, have a beer, chill out. It really is one of the, b you're like, I could do that anywhere, but there's something so magical about doing it there. And you can hear like faint music in the background and we would always uh, do team home base you know, where like one guy would always stay behind or would never want, you know, there's always one person that doesn't want to leave. Just like, I'll be here, I'll stay here. And we call that Team Home Base. So it would be that place that we come back to when, you know, we're done seeing the music. But, you know, it's like we would come, regroup, talk about how amazing the festival is and how much we love each other. But that's kind of what they're doing right here. And Ariana's like oh, you know, when I first saw that we went on the field, I was like, oh my God, you got on the Coachella field. And then Ariana shares with us that me and Tom's first Coachella was magical. I mean, you know, he, he was so game to go down in the crowd. He wanted, he was like, put me on your shoulders. I was like, okay, all right, let's do it. I will say I once drank with these guys at um, the Dark Room on Melrose years ago, years ago. And it was like one of the first, I I'd hung out with Ariana a couple of times, but not like Tom once. But we were talking about our love of Coachella and, and Ariane was like, yeah, uh, Tom, tell Tom to put you on your shoulder, his shoulders. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. He's like, I could do it, dude. I could put you on my shoulders right now. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I was like, if we ever go to the festival, we'll try that. He's like, deal. That's a deal. And Ariana was like listing off names of people, of guys that he's put on his shoulders. And I was just like, damn, but that's Sandoval, man. He's like, you will be getting on my shoulders. I love, I mean, I got to tell you, I know Sandoval gets a lot of hate and especially for this Katie scene later. But I don't know. Why am I so damn charmed with somebody that is that in love with life that wants to make everything a big event? I love that. I I love things that like somebody that wants to make things memorable. We're we're not encouraging that. I think it's just a a really cool quality. I I feel like, I don't know, like reading Twitter and all that, I feel like people don't get who he is. And I just I love the extremity of it, you know, because it's usually for his friends. Like even think about the Jack's um, best man thing. He brought like a best man kit and like Jack's just shat on him the entire time. I, I don't know. For some reason, this is really clear to me. And I was just like, man, I love, I love to have a friend like that. So basically what I'm saying is that I want a Cella. We're going to do that at Buga de Beppo. That's the only place to officially do a uh, a Ryanchella. I think that is the place. So, okay. So everybody is kissing Tom Sandoval's balls, balls at this point. About- and when I say everybody, in the show, it's literally just Schwartz and Ariana. But I feel like if I was there, I would kiss those balls. DJ James Kennedy should be kissing those balls. I wonder if Raquel ever found out how much... Like, I bet Raquel just found out this week how much Tom Sandoval did on that. She's like, Are you kidding me, DJ James Kennedy? You let Sandoval do all that? Are you kidding me? I pitted the fool. And then... and then, so Ariana's like, babe, this has you written all over it, and you can tell he's, like, all jazzed about that, because that's his lady, and he's like, I want to make you happy all the time, and then he, in a talking head, he goes, I want to do something so special for her, and Ariana in a talking head says, how can anyone say no to a proposal if this is how they ask you to marry them. And she goes, You know what? If he asked me in this way by ourselves, then maybe. And that kind of gave me goose pimples. I know when people, I know what people hate when I say goose pimples, but it did. It got me all excited. I was like, Ooh, Ariana Cella, Arcella, Arcella. But you could do AR Cella. Tom could fool her by doing a, an anniversary of Archella, And she gets there and it's AR Cella for Ariana. Holy shit! I'm a genius. This is crazy. Damn! I gotta, I gotta, re- I gotta tell Tom and yeah. But anyways, so also at this point, they're just having a good time. I think everybody's on uh, ecstasy. Schwartz has these light up glasses and he's dancing around a little dress. Brock dances like a lumberjack. He's like hee haw hee hee. I'm black, I'm a lumberjack. I dance like a little elf. I dance on the coachella field. I don't see my kids for four years. Hip hop, hip hop. Eh. So we're now back at the house, and um Raquel's like, "You guys, I'm fucking engaged." And then Lala's like. Do you think you're going to bump pee tonight? Randall and I were too drunk to bump pee when we got engaged. And then uh, Raquel's like, Of course we're going to bump pee-pees tonight. And then Sheena goes, My boobs are telling me it's time to go. Which I think that means like milk's f- filtering out of that. And Brock goes, Welcome to parent life. Hey. And then Lala and a talking head goes, Dude, you have two kids you haven't seen for four years. You're not getting the parent of the year award from me. And then Schwartz comes over to Sandoval. Everybody's leaving. He's like, That was perfect, dude. That was perfect. I loved what you did tonight, dude. It's very it's like just everybody's gonna sleep. I love what you did tonight. And then he goes, How much did that cost? And Sandoval goes, he smiles and he goes, 25 grand. And uh, Schwartz is like, oh, shoot. I even noticed they have a bracelet that says Rachella on. And that's exactly like the Coachella bracelet that they put on you to get in there. So he really did go detail heavy. And Schwartz in a talking head goes, we don't even have financing for our bar yet. That's a significant chunk of change, bro. He says that in a talking head. And Tom goes, I don't know how to do Tiny. I don't know how to do that. Nothing brings me more joy than to have friends accomplish a dream. And then I was like, fuck, Tom, I want to learn to read. Help me accomplish that dream. It's going to cost 50 grand, dude. And then we'll read War and Peace together or Dune. Teach me how to fly, Tom. I want to be on the Titanic with Tom Sandoval. And It's like, Tom, I'm flying. Look at me, Tom. He's like, you're doing it. And then I'll be like, paint me like one of your Tom Tom girls, Tom Sandoval. (laughs) Um, so anyway Schwartz is like holy shit 25 grand and he's like really Um, you know Schwartz is like I am so impressed that you can name the bar which is like this is the weirdest thing like if you're impressed with your friend like just say you're impressed with your friend don't say you can name the bar that we're gonna co-run Schwartz and Sandy's you know like you, you think you can handle that And, and, and Sandoval though, like they're the same level of immature. Sandoval's like, really, dude, you do that? And, uh, he goes, yeah, I mean, but people are going to say that, like, you know, that they, you know, that you forced me into that. And then he's like, sure. Sandoval's like, whatever to Swarth and Sandy. And, um, I gotta say Between the Ariana conversation on the grass and this conversation with Schwartz, Sandoval got his 25 grand work. He like got to like his lover Schwartz and his best friend Ariana. He got to (laughs) he got no, but for real, those are the two most important people in his life, if we're to believe the show. And he made both of them extremely proud and happy. So, man, I gotta say, that is worth 25 grand potentially. I'm horrible with money. Just wanna let that be known in case that is. A, bad move. I would do the same thing if I had that kind of money. And that is probably why God has forsaken me. New scene where at uh, Tom and uh, we're, we wake up at the house at James and Tom's rental. We see all these like uh, Polaroid pics from last night. They even rented a professional photo booth uh, booth. And uh, DJ James Kennedy and talking is like, I'm I want to spring from the bed and shove from the Coachella mountaintops. Raquel is my fiance. He's running around the studio where they're doing the talking head. He's like, and I was like, are they making fun of Britney right now? Like, no. Remember when Britney stood over the balcony and she was like, I'm a guy. Me, Britney, I'm a Is that what he's doing? I, I feel like. The deeper I get into watching these shows, everything's an inside joke. I'm like, oh, that's from season three, episode 13. When they went to the bathroom, there was a white flag behind them. And this is why there's a white flag right here. It's like fully Star Trek for me at this point. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So uh, he's really excited. We get to a scene with Katie and Tom waking up. And Katie says, my eyes don't want to open yet. And Schwartz says, I'm so impressed with Tom's follow through. An execution on that. And Katie was like, yeah, he was like planning the new bar and he was like planning a festival at the same time. And you can tell Katie was actually impressed and kind of like, shit, Schwartz, what the fuck? You can barely do the bar thing, you know? And um, you know, Katie in a talking head says, Tom, you got steamrolled about the name. And uh he's like, I could learn to love the name. And she goes, way to be assertive. And he goes, don't get upset, don't get upset. And that that is so. I you know I remember just begging people I was close to not, to not get upset. And that's what Sandoval or Schwartz resorts resorts to, uh, reverts to all the time with Katie. And Katie's like, you took one step forward and ten steps back. And then Katie and I talking head goes, the only two things I want to grow on to uh, have grow on me are my hair. On my head and my fingernails. That feels like a planted line. I don't, you know. Uh, So DJ James Kinney is like, or Schwartz is like, have to be out of here in an hour and a half. No way Sandoval is awake. So Schwartz goes and wakes up Sandoval and Ariana. It's a mess. Which reminded me of, remember when Sheena had her wedding at that venue and then they had to wake up all early and everybody, all the guests had to come clean? Like to me, that is iconic Vanderpump Rules. On Sheena's first wedding, And that was iconic. Like Sheena was like, I will get the wedding I want, and I will cut corners, and you will all pick up after me. You will wake up, and you will pick up after me like we are still in college. You know? I loved it. So uh, this is always is the worst part of Coachella or any music festival or any time you're staying with a house is the cleanup at the very end. Because everybody's wanting to get in the car, get out of there, but they were like, damn it, there's all these Coors Light everywhere. Who left the condom out of here? That's disgusting. So they're all leaving, and then we have a scene of DJ James Kennedy uh, calling Lisa uh, in a car, and she's in her Bentley, and she's like, Hello, Mr. Kennedy! What's the ring like that you got, Raquel? And he's like, It's gorgeous! It's Tiffany Diamond! And then uh, Lisa's like, Which one did you buy it from? The Tiffany on Rodeo from Nicolene? And he goes, no, I got it downtown from the jeweler. And she, he goes, I never said it was from Tiffany. I said, Tiffany Diamond. <laughs> so is that even, that's bullshit, right? That's like complete bullshit. Like Tiffany is a company that buys diamonds. If it was a Tiffany Diamond, Tiffany would have bought it for themselves, right? Like Tiffany Diamonds isn't like selling their off stock at like Ross or TJ Maxx like we see with like certain Nike clothes, are they? Like are, like I'm not gonna run into a, like a TJ Maxx and it would be like, Tiffany and co ring box. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) Oh, I'm an idiot. So I do think it is very DJ James Kennedy to let Raquel think it is a Tiffany ring. Like it is amazing. This girl loves you with everything in her heart. And you're still potentially lying to her about a ring that is still fucking more than I will probably ever be able to spend on somebody, you know? And uh, James was like, it was perfect. Everything was perfect, Lisa. Except Max, your son wasn't there. And this is what I hate. I hate the connective tissue scenes. I hate the scenes where we have to catch Lisa Vanderpump up. It's like, Lisa, if you want to be a fucking part of it, fucking go to the fucking Richella. You should have showed up at Richella, butt butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to stay at the house, but show up to Richella. You should have been there at Richella, you know? your husband there like i'm gonna knock your spark clean out dj jake kennedy but like this whole thing that we have to now like pause and go lisa guess what happened uh the audience completely saw it already now i'm gonna tell you and i'm also gonna bring another plot line up that was from the first episode i miss max it's i just I, i i got better things to do come on Lisa, in a talking head, goes. Max doesn't want to hear anything about it, but I think James needs Max on his side. And uh, DJ James Kennedy goes. I'm meeting up with Raquel's family tonight. In my family, Kate, her older sister, is a tough cookie. Cookie, tough cookie. And uh, <laughs> Lisa's like, Oh, behave. Um, no. So that that's, you know, she's like, just behave yourself, but she's going to ask a lot of questions, Lisa. So we cut to Katie and Tom's house and Katie says, ejaculation between two and seven days, just sealed the lid to avoid spillage. And he goes, honey, we were doing so well until you said spillage. And, um, Katie goes, We want to go to a fertility doctor to make sure we are healthy and fertile myrtles. And I got to say, if you're still saying fertile myrtles into your thirties, you might not be healthy. I mean, that's, you might not be, if you're still seeing fertile myrtles, it might be time for you to not have kids. And Schwartz says, Oh, I've asked Tom to come and transport the goods, my semen. And Imagine you're with a dude and he's having a guy drive his sperm sample across town Because you can't trust for him to get it there by himself. So he's got to have his best friend who they're all nearing 40 to go drive his sperm off. I guess I would be the same way. I'm just even shocked. And Katie says, having as a family is something we've always planned for. I just didn't picture Sandoval always being in the mix with this. And uh, Schwartz is like, hey, you're going over to Lala's. Tell Lala I said, what up? But don't tell them what's going on over here about Tom delivering my semen. And then we're in a new scene. We're at Lala and Rand's house. Lily, the dog, is barking. We see hardcover books of giving them Lala on the table. Uh, I guess they are coffee table books for Lala. Uh, And she goes, becoming a mom, your body is no longer just yours. Ocean is still attached to my boob 24-7. And Rand is attached to the other one. Uh, it's hard not to feel like some sort of farm animal and they're doing a workout this day called EMS electromagnetic stimulation, which 20 minutes of this is equivalent to hours at the gym. Like, holy shit. And I would be totally down for this, but it's also like, this is another one of those things where it feels like, you know, when they had all the scenes and all the shows where they would go to the break stuff place or like ax throwing, it's like, is EMS going to be the new thing? I have a feeling it will be. Keep an eye out for this activity on other reality shows. You've heard it here first, folks. Uh, It's the new pickleball. So there's 85 contractions over your whole body during each one of these. And I was like, wouldn't it just be amazing if it's just a shit fest from this? Like they started and I was like, oh, Katie's pelvic floor drops out. Oh, And they're just, (laughs) by the way, thank you to the audience Um, just one short year ago, I learned what a pelvic floor was. So I'm no better than Tom Schwartz or Tom Sandoval. I don't even know what a pelvic floor is until a year ago because of the listening audience. So thank you for that. And I have a feeling the next time I talk to Bill and Becky Bailey, I'm going to ask my dad what a pelvic floor is. I have a feeling he's not going to know what the hell it is. In fact, as I'm saying this to you right now, I have forgotten what it is. I am not sure anymore. Um, so they're done. The AMS uh, workers leave. And Katie is talking about her test levels for the baby. And she's like, you know, we did five months of trying back to back month after month. It weighs on you. Everyone else is getting pregnant. Stassi, Sheena, not uh, Dodie, uh, you know, uh, Brittany. Uh, It's added stress. And um, she tells Lala like, hey, Schwartz had to make a sperm sample. And uh, she, he, he asked Sandoval to come over for moral support and Lala goes and to jerk him off. Hey, my name is Lala rimshot. Tip your waiters cut to Sandoval is over at Schwartz's and he goes, what's up, buddy? How do you like your eggs in the morning? And he goes fertilized. Uh-uh, uh-uh. A lot of dad jokes going around Vanderpump rules this season. Don't love it. Um, and Tom has brought a gift box for Schwartz of like, he's like, buddy, what's up? This is to help you jack off smoother. This is glide. He's like, I got you the cold because I know you like a cold HJ. That's short for hand job for all the kids listening at home. And, he, and he's like, I got you this towel to wipe yourself with. And he's like, I got you this Gwyneth Paltrow candle and a face mask so you don't hit yourself on the face with your jizz. Uh, i'm gonna refrain from any personal stories there uh tom uh sandoval sends schwartz up to do his business and tom just waits there's a montage that we see in so many shows and movies of somebody just waiting and schwartz is like i hope he's like oh i hope he's just not waiting for me like i hope he's not thinking about it and sandoval's like may the schwartz be with you tom schwartz and it's a mind game when you're trying to whack off um And he goes, as much as I'm regretting having Sandoval here, the vagina candle from Gwyneth Paltrow was a nice touch. Really nice. Really nice smell, by the way. And then he comes down with it, and I shit you not, we see a close shot, a very tight shot of Schwartz's sperm. And I was like, is this the jump the shark moment? Are we like, is this like, is it the jump the sperm moment? Jump the Schwartz sperm Like, I thought it was Dog the Lizard uh, last season when Schwartz's lizard died. But now I have to fuck... I'm a grown man. I have to see Schwartz's sperm in a cup? No, thank you. But also, yes, please. Um, So uh, they're like, let's roll. and, And Schwartz goes... I had the raw determination. Uh, Probably not the best choice of words. Cut to Lala and Katie. uh, And Lala goes, uh, or Katie goes, how was your visit with Sheena and Brock with the babies? And Lala goes, well, we got into a conversation with Brock about his kids. And I could tell Sheena got a little strange, um, but he hasn't spoken to them in four years, the kids. And I can't help but think, Sheena, if you guys don't work out, you run the risk. He won't be with you or the baby. And Sheena has this pattern where she ignores this with all guys. And Lala goes, now I'm a mom and I worry about Summer Moon. The guys, they just kick these women and the baby to the curb, which is really haunting to watch in this moment with all the shit that's going on with Randall right now, it's like haunting to watch this shit. And I got to imagine it's got to be sad for Lala if she watched this back. Cause you're just like, you can never trust dudes, man. I hate that. I don't know what it is. I, we we're trying to figure it out on the podcast. I've talked about that. I think I, did we talk about that on the podcast? I, we t- I've talked about it a lot because I'm even trying to understand myself. Like, what are we so scared of? Why are we so scared of the truth sometimes? You know? So we're in a new scene. DJ James Kennedy is driving uh, with Raquel in the passenger seat. And he's like, fucking go then. Come on to other drivers. And uh, he's like, "Uh, Raquel, you got a gift give it to Max, say, I miss him. I feel really bad. I miss him. You know, you know how to work it. You know, I'm done. Uh, I'm done, you know, with all my disrespectfulness. Um, I'm getting a hold of my anger issues. I want to exchange an olive Branch until I clear it up with Max. There will be like an elephant in the room. And then he just keeps like, fucking move, you piece of shit. Come on, you and the Corolla. You know he's just yelling like an asshole, so it's kind of one of those, oh, sure, you've changed. He bought Max an oculus, which uh, is one of those video game systems. I really want one, but I'm just I've never been good at video games. So one of those guys, but always like the oculus makes me want to try. Meditza, who makes all the graphics, and she uh, we actually did a new uh, patreon episode today, she has an oculus, and she swears by it. she she says she'll go in there and just watch full- on movies, like you just sit in a theater and watch movies in the oculus wild so uh, DJ James Kennedy thinks that this Oculus will be the cherry on top of the apology to get Max to know he really means it and uh, Raquel's like I can't wait to show Lisa my ring and then he's like you can't be dinging it Raquel you gonna ding it be careful with the dinging it and Raquel goes isn't it supposed to be the most strong ring of all time? And he goes, I'll be so pasty if you dig it. I'm upset you're wearing it, to be honest. Last time you're wearing it, 100,000 ring on your finger. And Raquel and I talking head goes, what's even the point if you're not able to show it all your friends and make them jelly? Also, we found out on Watch What Happens Live that the ring is like 40 some 1000 dollars. But that's still fucking amazing. Are you kidding me? New scene, Sandoval and Lisa and Schwartz are at TomTom. Uh, We see my buddy Logan working in the background. He's a waiter there. He's awesome. And, you know, Sandoval's like, we had such an amazing time in Palm Springs. And Richardson, the manager, goes, gets her a tea. And um, um, he goes, I wonder how you would be if there would be some sort of explosion. I don't even know what that means. But then uh, Schwartz goes, uh, speaking of explosion, and Lisa uh all of a sudden gets past Schwartz's semen jar but this looks way thicker so we know it's not Schwartz's it's yogurt you guys it is a prank on Lisa and Lisa goes I'm an expert in spum you know if that's what's coming out of Tom Schwartz that's where the problem lies <laughs> um and then Lisa's like, "Schwartz, you're telling me you weren't with your wife? You were with your partner while you did this?" And Sandoval goes, "Business partner." So we're in a new scene where with uh, Lala and Sheena, uh, they're at this baby store where you buy baby stu- stuff. Stuff and uh she was like summer moon got verified on insta um she'll never wear the same outfit twice on insta she already has 110,000 followers she passed her father before she was even born and it's like jesus christ what the fuck when is like but don't you wonder with any of these babies when they're gonna hand the keys to their instagram account like when does little baby couchy get the keys like is it 14 15 like could you actually be like come here son I want to give you something special. Here is the password to your Instagram account. It's called uh the password is corn. That's K-O-R-N Corn. So um Lala talks about um, you know, that uh her baby projectile shat all over her and Randall almost threw up the other day. And Lala says, you know, in a talking head, that's nothing, honey. I've had worse things squirted at me. Like, Jesus, God, we, what are you, what are you talking about? Ketchup? What are we talking? <laughs> uh, and then Lala goes, hey, shit, how did you find out that Brock had two kids he hasn't seen in four years? And she goes, the day we met, he told me he had a pic on his phone. And she goes, and that didn't make you feel strange in any way. And she was like, he was very open about it. So I wasn't worried. And uh, Lala goes in a talking head. I don't care if he looks like Jason Momoa or Aquaman, like, you know, how do you think that this man's the one when he hasn't seen his kids in four years? And Sheena's like, he said he wanted to come make a better life. She, you know, the other ex didn't support him. So he, she cut off his kids. And Lala goes, I don't think Rand would ever do that shit to me, but I'm not going to put it past him, which is another sad moment. In A Talking Head, um, it's it just, uh, Sheena goes, all I can say is, Brock is an amazing dad. I don't see him doing anything to fuck that up. And she's almost crying. Sheena's all, Sheena is like another one of those Arrested Development girls where it's like, we're still in junior high and this guy said he'd be my boyfriend for life. I'm going to go to my locker where I put my red vines. And Sheena says... My track record isn't good. I know that in a talking head. I wanted to say what an amazing dad he is. I wanted to see it. And she just sees another guy that will leave me because that's what everyone does. And uh, she's like, We are so good. And Brock drinks out of a coffee mug uh, with his kids on it, and the background of his computer has his kids on it. It's really sad he doesn't get to see them, which is just like, holy shit. Do you know how easy to put shit on your background of, like, your computer and your phone? I have Lisa Rinna as the background of my phone right now. It doesn't mean a lot. I used to have DJ Khaled and his son as the background of my phone. It don't mean shit. Uh, not, I do not think I saw DJ Khaled's son is any relation to me, but I still wanted him to be there cause they're special to me, <laughs> but seriously, so new scene, um, we're, uh, we're at the Raquel, uh, DJ James Kennedy, or we're preparing for that. And Raquel's like, I'm scared about this meeting with my family and his family, you know, my family known him for four years. They met drunk James. They met angry James. You know, it's a little nerve-wracking not knowing which James is going to show up. I pitted the fool. Um, she tells him, uh, our family is very important because we're going to create one of our own one day. Little Raquel and a little DJ James. I'm, I'm there for it. So James and Raquel come into the, uh, the, the restaurant. Katie, uh, her sister and her sister's husband uh, is there. Her brother-in-law, we find out this is so confusing to me and I didn't want to rewind, but she was like, I was adopted at birth, gave birth to Kate uh, and and my mom, my birth mom gave birth to Kate before me. And then Susan accidentally got per- pregnant again when my aunt Laura was trying to conceive and offered to have me for my aunt shit you guys I have no clue I think I wrote that right but I still have not you know like there's things you write you're like well there's an explanation in there somewhere and I do not I'm not going to read it or try to perceive it enough to figure out what that means I know you guys are much smarter so one of you guys will tell me um but basically Raquel's like she you know she plays a big sister role to me so Jacqueline James's mom comes in with Harry his brother and his other brother and um you know, his mom, we see the complicated family relationship that D.J. James Kennedy has. It's very sad in a lot of ways because he's given them money. He takes care of them. I one time saw when D.J. James Kennedy was still drinking his mom at one of the Sir Nights nightclubbing. And uh it was wild, man. Like she was like right in front of the DJ booth dancing, like just right. Like, yeah, like it was I don't know how to tell you, like, you're like, oh, yeah, it's his mom's dancing. It was weird. Like, I'm not saying, like, it was, like, sexual or anything like that, but it was just weird. You saw that the power dynamic was completely off, you know? It wasn't, I'm not saying, like, it was, it it was just weird. It was, it was weird. And you can see that on screen, I think. And at least she's sober now or that, you know, they're both sober, so that's supposedly be amazing, And DJ James Kennedy goes, there's an innocent and a lightness now about my mom. You know, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. We're all here today. And, um, all the ladies are telling Raquel, don't take the ring off. Don't take it off in public bathrooms. James says, and James goes, I'm going to get a replica made. And then his mom's like, you're so smart, James. Um, And then James orders some food, and she comments on everything James does. He goes, that's a really good order, James. Way to order that food. And the curly fries comes out, and James goes, whoa, these look good. And his mom's like, they do look good, James. They do. And uh, she's talking about seeing Lisa for the first time, and we see that. And Lisa says, oh, you're a very happy girl. And then we see Max there, and she gives the gift to Max, and you know, it's like, she's like, this is an apology gift from DJ James Kennedy. Hopefully back to good time soon. And Max is like, congrats, by the way, you might be making a mistake. And, DJ James, Kennedy explains to everybody at the table that he got into an argument with Max. He's like, I was dipping my fingers in the water and I was like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And Katie says, so you have issues if you're sober or drunk. And he's like, I called him a fat fuck and said, this is why you don't have a girlfriend. And then his mom goes, not everybody's perfect. Not ever. You did your best. You did your best. And Raquel goes, I gave him the gift. And then his mom goes, then you're on the right track, track, James. And Katie says, why did you have to give him the gift, Raquel? And he goes, well, I'm blocked on everything. I couldn't do it. Um, You know, and Raquel's like, he liked it. He he said, you know, uh, him and James used to play Oculus all the time. Why am I doing that British now? And Kate says, I don't want to see you in the situation where you're going to have to fix all of his problems. Um, And Raquel's like, she's always going to be protective of me. And Kate says, there will be a time when someone doesn't accept a gift you give DJ James Kennedy and you have to be aware you're a couple now and that how it makes each other look. So we're in the final scene. We're at TomTom. Sandoval is teaching the bar staff how to make it. He's like, this is how you do it. This The Doc Holiday. sometimes I'll put it in a rock glass and sometimes, let's do a tigene rim on this. Yeah, let's have tea And everyone's like, oh shit, Sando's making a drink. And uh, Ariana and Katie come in right on cue. It's so, this is so staged to me, this part, because Ariana's like, are you in the week? Which is like, you know, are you busy? And we can see it's a tight shot and that they're not busy, you know, like, and um, also, I don't know, it's just all weird. So they all sit down with Lisa, and then Lisa tells Ari- Ariana, Ariana, will you tell Tom to change the music? And then Lisa has her little scene. So I saw your husband today. He's going to a pregnancy doctor. Are you serious about it? And why is he going without you? Um, she said, well, you know, we did try before and it wasn't successful. And she goes, how did you feel? Was it really difficult? And she goes, it gets progress- progressively more difficult. The first time I didn't expect it to happen, you know, but uh, it, it seemed to happen for the first time with La. And, you know, that girl popped out her IUD in pregnancy four seconds later. And Katie goes by the fourth or fifth time, I just needed a, a, to take a break from all of this. I really actually, you know, this is to me, very real. Like that, that is a very real sentiment um, that I can completely understand. what Katie's saying. Um, In A Talking Head, Katie goes, everyone says, keep trying, but then it feels like a chore, like a job, and that's not how I want this to happen. And Lisa says, it's going to be your turn eventually. (laughs) In A Talking Head, uh, she goes, talking to Katie's breaking my rich heart. I think she feels a little left out with Stussy and Sheena and Jax's here. And Katie says, uh, well, I talk to a lot of women older, and they say, you have time. Um, And then she, uh, Lisa goes, I can't believe Tom and Tom don't want to have a baby together. (laughs) I'm almost positive this show would be better without Lisa Vanderpump. And I like Lisa Vanderpump. I like her. I just feel like we're now downshifting. Like we have to shift down every time with a senior. And it's like her scenes are the fakest. The fakest scenes go, they just have to go. So Ariana and Tom and Tom come back to the table after their conversation. And, uh, Alicia goes, can we talk about your new bar now? And Schwartz goes, oh, we're worried about staffing. We think there's going to be a staffing problem, which is another bullshit lie. Do you know how many people are trying to get bar and restaurant jobs in Los Angeles? Give me a fucking break. There is no problem with staffing at all. I'm just, I'm sorry. That's bullshit. And Ariana goes, we can fill in. And Lisa says, Katie's going to have a role, right? And Schwartz is like, yeah, Katie wants to train. And I know she's not the most sociable person. So I appreciate her going outside of her comfort zone. Which is just like, what a fucking slam. Like, I appreciate she's not a sociable person. And Katie's like, in a talking to her, she's like, I worked at my mom's restaurant. You know, I grew up doing this since we see all these pictures of katie working at her mom's restaurant which is really cute um and so you know lisa's kind of like well why isn't katie working and tom's like a public undressing give the math of anxiety and lisa says i hope i'm not provoking because i really don't mean to and katie says when we were um you know when we were seeing it, uh, what we were when we were at Sheena's birthday, I was told. Oh yeah, Schwartz goes. I was told by Katie at Sheena's birthday how uninspired the name was, and Schwartz goes. Um, you know he, uh, he, he, Sandoval never got over you yelling at him at Stassi's book party, and Sandoval is like just already out of 10. He's like in the middle of a quiet-ass restaurant, you're like, piece of shit. You're like, asshole, asshole to me. And Katie and the talking head goes, he's not traumatized. He's worried about someone working for him that doesn't think he's a genius. And Tom says, you can send text messages all the time, but if I do, I'm a monster, I guess. You know? But I will say, you know, Katie, what she said is true in a way, but, like, also think about it. You own a place. Would you want somebody that's considered one of your arts nemeses working there? Like, think about it. Like, I get the situation, but I also kind of get both sides of it. Like, why would Tom want Katie there when we know that Katie doesn't respect Tom in the way that he likes to be respected because he feels like this is his baby? So he's giving—he would be allowing somebody to share in the magic of, quote-unquote, his baby with somebody that doesn't believe in him. And he's going to put everything he has into it. So I kind of—I I, I mean, I do—I would love to hear everybody's thoughts about this. I do a, kind of agree with Tom a little bit, but I understand where Katie's coming from. So um, Katie goes, that was two years ago, Tom, get over it. And Tom is bringing up the Sheena text messages still. And Ari- Ariana goes, that was like from six years ago. And uh, and uh, she goes, I haven't heard of a Katie rage text in so long. And Schwartz goes, it's very rare now. It's very rare, which is just like this funny, really messed up aside. And Ariana goes, you're going to die on this hill, Tom? And he goes, I'm not dying. She goes, yes, you are. And uh, he goes, I have reasons to feel insecure about having you involved because you feel very entitled about your feelings. Fuck you. This is ridiculous. You make me feel like a fucking psychopath. And then everybody's like, take a walk. She was like, take a walk. And then we see Sandoval outside smoking in the back alleyway of Tom Tom, you guys. We get a back alleyway of Tom Tom scene. Come on. That's amazing. I love that. I think that's very special. We always have the back alleyway of, sir, let's get the back alleyway of Tom Tom in play here. Um, So Sandoval is outside uh, smoking his little butts. And then we go next time on Vanderpump Rules. And we find out that Schwartz has two headed sperm. We see um, Lala and Raquel. Lala's like, I guess I used to blame you, Raquel, on me and James's relationship crumbling. Uh, we have Ariana and Tom fighting, where Tom's like, you told me to die on that hill, and will you tell me that? It's like, I'm really going to die. And then we have more Brock and Sheena stuff, where we have Brock crying, where he's like, Hey, I love my kids, don't talk about my kids. Eh, you guys, this was so great. I hope you enjoyed Dave Quinn. I hope you enjoyed this. Please support Vanderpump Rules. We need this show to keep going. Also, Winterhouse... If you're still listening, what do you think? Do you want to recap Winterhouse? What do you want? Do you want that? Would you like that? Would you like me to do an Austin imitation? This is my Austin imitation. (laughs) Okay, guys. I love you. Talk to you soon. Beep. Betches.